I'll get in trouble for this, I'm certain, but... Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. As promised, we are back for another episode in season two of this. I'm AJ, here with my brother, my friend, Tyler. What's going on, brother? Back for your regularly scheduled programming of the Saturday Six Podcast. Ready to kick it off. Got more uh, preseason topics to hit, and it's going to be a good one. Yeah, last episode we talked about some of the off-season storylines and gave you a little look ahead into what coaches are predicting this upcoming season to look like. Um, want to do a little bit of the same this episode. Want to touch on some stuff that happened in the off-season, but also kind of get excited and look ahead to some of the action that we'll have going down here in less than a month. So um, it'll be exciting to kind of talk about some of that with you. Um, first, before I do that, just want to remind everybody, you can follow us on Instagram at Saturday6Pod. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Find us on there. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Turn your notifications on. And most importantly, just tell a friend. Just tell somebody that you love, hey, I listen to this podcast and um, these guys are all right. So um, we appreciate that if you do it. Um, but yeah, let's let's go ahead and dive into it. I want to talk about, man, this transfer portal and just what's going on, how it has developed over the last couple of years and how, you know, it used to be you wanted to transfer, you had to sit out a year. And that was pretty much the rule unless you had already graduated. Um, and now guys just have leeway to kind of up and move whenever they feel like they're ready to and they're eligible immediately in most cases. So um, lots of movement over the offseason, lots of quarterbacks, which obviously, you know, is the most important position on the field, the most vital to a team's success. So um, just wanted to touch on some of those names, some of those guys that moved to new locations, some of those guys that could have moved and maybe were offered a lot of money to do so and ended up staying at some places. Um, what did you what did you think about some of the bigger moves in the transfer portal this offseason? Yeah, it's just kind of been madness. Over 150 quarterbacks in their name into the transfer portal this offseason. Wow. Uh, therefore, the majority of Power 5 programs have a transfer quarterback expected to start week one. So a ton of movement like you touched on. I'll go over some of the some of the big name uh, transfers that I kind of noted on. Uh, you got Jaheim Bell. Uh, he's a tight end. He transferred from South Carolina to Florida State, uh, which is going to be a really good program this year. They picked up a good amount of transfers that are going to uh, contribute to their success this year. You got quarterback Dylan Leary. Uh, he was the NC State quarterback that led the Wolfpack to a okay season. <laughs> We're not going to get back into last year's hate love affair that I had with NC State, but um, uh, I forgot Dylan about that. Goes, I forgot about your beef with yeah. uh, the Wolfpack. <laughs> we'll see. This it could be a new year. We never know. But Dylan Leary transfers to Kentucky, yeah, uh, to replace their quarterback situation. You have defensive lineman Bear Alexander who leaves after winning a national championship at Georgia to go to the USC Trojans. I think well, that got was one of those NIL things. Yeah, yeah when, you, when you want to talk about NIL, uh, I think that's a major player in that. Then some of the big ones, uh, some big-time names, quarterback Sam Hartman, who's doing really well at Wake Forest, ends up transferring out of there from the starting position, which – you don't see too often to go to Notre Dame uh, where he's projected to most likely be the starter for Notre Dame this year. 
And then obviously we touched on it last episode, Colorado, Deion Sanders getting a lot of movement. He brings over Travis Hunter, who's the number one rated prospect in his perspective class coming out of high school. Uh, he transferred from Jackson State to Colorado to stay with Dion, uh, which is a big-time move. He also brought over his son to play quarterback, Shadir Sanders, uh, yeah. a couple other guys as well. Yeah, they, there's been a lot of movement in that Colorado program. Um, you touched on the quarterbacks kind of moving. Um, I wanted to touch on some of the quarterbacks that could have moved and might have gotten some big offers to move and talk about that NIL department. Um, but they actually decided to stay, and I think it'll be huge for their team's this season and talk about one of the best quarterbacks in college football and Drake may who it was rumored, you know, that a lot of teams were flashing some dollar bills, his direction to get him to come play quarterback for them this season. He ends up staying at North Carolina, um, hoping to lead them to some success in the ACC this year. And then you talk about a guy like Grayson McCall, another highly rated quarterback last season, um, played well for coastal Carolina, a lot of teams that were interested in him this season, this offseason, and he does end up staying there um, in Coastal. So that'll be interesting to watch him and, you know, how he develops in this next season. Um, and then another AAC quarterback, Michael Pratt. And you talk about um, what Tulane was able to do last year. Obviously, the dynamic duo between him and Tajay Spears winning a, that game against USC, um, that New Year's Six Bowl game. So um, him staying, I know there were a lot of teams that were very interested in his services in this offseason. So interesting that, you know, three quarterbacks that a lot of teams, obviously you touched on how many teams have new starting quarterbacks. A lot of teams probably wish they could have gotten that guy um, and they end up staying at home. So what do you think about, you know, some of the guys that decided, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm cool where I'm at, not enough money to go to SEC West program that you want to name? I love it. I mean, obviously there's a lot of good things that come from the transfer portal and it is a, a, a necessary thing to have in college football, but there's something about old school college football where a player makes a commitment to a team, not a head coach, uh, not other players on the team, but he makes a commitment to a university and to stick with that for better or for worse is commendable. Obviously, you know, when you're talking about some of these guys where you know, they want to go make as much NIL as they can because your future is never guaranteed. You're never guaranteed to to get a bag in the NFL. Um, so to be able to do it in college football, I understand. But uh, like I said, it's just it's commendable that they want to stay with the program that they made that initial commitment to. And I think at least for those three guys that you named, they have something really good going for their program. And I don't think they need that big time SEC Big Ten team in order to elevate their game to where they can make it to the NFL. No, I agree. I think you make a lot of good points there. Um, like you said, obviously, if you have a connection to a program and you feel strongly about where that program is heading, um, sometimes the grass isn't greener. You know, we've seen quarterbacks that transfer and it doesn't work out where they go. Sometimes they don't even touch the field where they go. You know, so I think. Um, really cool to kind of see in this era that we are in where everybody's got a new quarterback that transferred from somewhere. A couple of those big name guys did end up staying, but yeah, so lots of crazy transfer portal stuff. One of those quarterbacks that we didn't touch on who is in the heat of a quarterback battle at a very prestigious program is one Tyler Buckner. So Notre Dame starting quarterback last year had an up and down season, battled some injuries and so, and so forth. Um, but he does transfer into Alabama, and he is in the thick of a quarterback battle 
um, Coach Nick Saban trying to figure out who the guy is going to be. It's between him, Jalen Milrow, and Ty Simpson. Um, it's going to be interesting, man, because obviously they've got the pieces around them, but figuring out this quarterback battle for Alabama is one of the biggest storylines heading into this season. Yeah, it's a huge storyline. I mean, when your last four quarterbacks for Alabama have been elite in the names of Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones, and Bryce Young, there's obviously a lot of stock that's put into who's going to be the quarterback at Alabama. Um, right now, as far as I can tell, everything that I've read, what I've seen from last year's spring game, I have Jalen Milrow probably going to be the week one starter. Um, and then Tyler Buckner, Ty Simpson kind of battling it out, see who's going to be the QB2. Uh, right now I'm kind of leaning towards Ty Simpson, unfortunately, for the Notre Dame transfer. Um, I just don't think that that's one of those transfers uh, that went the right way for him. But it's interesting because I don't think any of these prospects are kind of up to the stature of the four quarterbacks that I named starting out. But also you see a guy like Mac Jones uh, who put his time in, he put his work in, he sat behind some elite quarterback play. And when he got his opportunity, that is an Alabama offense that is geared to make the quarterback look good these days, ever since the Lane Kiffin era, uh, when they've placed a huge emphasis on passing the ball, whoever this quarterback is, he's going to be set up for success to look good. Uh, it's just who it is. I think right now I'm going to go towards Jalen Milrow. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm torn because um, obviously these guys are, these guys are all very different. You know, talk about, you know, the Notre Dame, quarterback Buckner transferring in um, like I said had some success in Notre Dame had some shaky times it's just curious because I don't think he's transferring in if he thinks he's going to be in the thick of a quarterback battle and here he finds himself for some reason I feel like maybe I don't know that he has promised something but I think he was um, at least told that he was going to get uh, his fair shot at the number one job so that's just like you said that's just kind of an interesting move I think Milrow like we saw him last year Obviously, the legs are a problem. The legs are a problem. And um, it's really just trying to figure out if he can be accurate throwing the ball. Um, I've heard some things in around Alabama that he has looked good at times in spring. So um, that'll be interesting to follow that. But I kind of got to see that before I believe that. And then you want to talk about Ty Simpson. He's the highly rated kid, you know, that a lot of people um, thought he might be the future. Um, when Bryce moves on and you haven't really heard anything about him, at least anything good. And so that kind of makes me nervous as far as, you know, his actual ability to, you know, lead this offense. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really torn. Something's got me leaning towards Buckner just because he's, he transferred in and I want to think it wasn't for anything or for nothing, I should say. But, uh, I think Milro might, might take over the job uh, at some point. So that'll be interesting to follow, but it's really a crucial year because I mean, you threw smoke at Alabama in the last podcast. I guess I'll do it in this one. Like it is this window with Nick. Oh, okay. The Georgia I, guy. <laughs> I think like the Saban window, could it be closing? I mean, he's, he's not getting any younger, you know, he's, he's still dying the hair to, to where he looks young, but, you know, you know damn well it's gray underneath all of that spray paint. But 
I don't know. It's like, how many more years does the guy got left, especially if he's losing, you know, two regular season games or not making the playoff? Uh, I just I got a feeling that um, his expectations, but especially the fans now are just outrageous. And I think it might just get to the point where, like, they're, they're not going to fire the guy, but he might mutually decide to part ways or he might just go ahead and announce that he's retiring. And it's kind of a hint, hint, like he gets the idea. I don't know. I I just feel like this window is starting to get a little tight here and you're going into this season with a quarterback battle. Like, do they, do they go back to the early tens, 2010 Alabama where they're pounding the football again and using their running backs and leaning on their defense. They got away from that obviously in the last several years, but um, I don't know. I just I got a lot of questions about um, what the next two, three years might look for this Alabama program and how different it could be. But here's the thing. I mean, you have quarterback battles everywhere. A quarterback battle is inevitable eventually, especially when you're bringing in uh, just high-caliber players. I mean, all of these guys were very good prospects in their own right. So I don't put too much stock as far as the Saban going to retire based on his trouble having a quarterback battle. I mean, you look at Georgia, everyone's saying there's a quarterback battle. Is that true? It remains to be seen. I don't think that it's as much of a question mark, but I think whoever this guy is for Saban, I think Saban's got him in a position where they're going to be able to be somewhat successful with him. It's just who's the guy going to be and how long into the season are they going to let this quarterback battle go? I don't think it's beneficial uh, you see a lot of programs where they're like, well, you know what? We have a pretty easy first couple weeks. Let's go ahead and, you know, let it go on into the season. Alabama's got Texas week one in Bryant-Denny. They're going to need to have that thing figured out by then. Yeah, it's just I, – I think, like, the the part that makes me nervous about it, if I'm an Alabama fan, is, okay, let's say Jalen Milrose your starter or let's say Tyler Buckner's your starter or Ty Simpson – throw any one of those guys' names into that starting lineup, are they a top half of the SEC quarterback? I don't think any of those guys are. I think LSU's quarterback is better. I think Arkansas's quarterback is better than any of those three guys. I think Georgia's quarterback is better than any three of those guys. South Carolina and Spencer Rattler, Mississippi State, Will Rogers, Tennessee, Joe Milton, Kentucky, Leary. Like This is like probably a bottom half of the SEC quarterback, no matter who it is. It's hard to disagree with you on that point. <laughs> I mean, it's just like I and they obviously they have the pieces around him, right? Like they're they their blue chip ratio is 90 right. plus. This roster is filled with four and five stars. But can you figure out like that's why I think maybe they take the ball out of his hands and they just start pounding the rock and and just running for 300 yards every game. I, I don't know. I just think whoever wins that job is is much further removed from those last four quarterbacks that you named, and that's why I'm a little bit nervous if, if I'm an Alabama fan. Right. I was just trying to make the point that I don't think a quarterback battle is going to play a factor into uh, whether or not Saban kind of gets the nod to head out. I think uh, you, you got to be able to show a history uh, or at least a progression of – uh, losing games that you should have won. I think uh, I think recruiting has, has to be able to drop off, you know, or in and this is something that Nick Saban seems to do at least once a year and have some sort of 
random crazy outburst at the media where he's saying some off the wall things um, that that you don't like to see from your uh, college football head coach. Um, I think if that kind of stuff escalates more, if you see more two lost seasons, if you see him not necessarily making the college football playoff or recruiting at a high level, that's probably win. But I don't think this quarterback battle is going to be it. With that being said, is this you predicting the end of the Alabama dynasty? Are the Crimson Tide on the downhill spiral to their dynasty? Well, I mean, I'm not predicting the end of anything. I just think they didn't win the national championship in 2022. They didn't win it in 2021. They won it in the COVID-shortened laughter of a college football season 2020. Didn't win it in 2019. Didn't win it in 2018. I mean, you're talking about one in the last five years. Obviously, this is a dynasty. Obviously, Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time. But is the window closing? Is the next two to three years kind of the final chapters, the last dance of, you know, this remarkable career and this, um, you know, incredible dynasty? I think whoever the coach is that's going to replace him is going to have, you know, the cupboards are going to be full. It's not going to be an issue about not having enough guys. But obviously, are they Nick Saban? I don't think anybody is. So um, it's just going to be interesting over the next two to three years to watch this program, to watch how much they can succeed to keep the momentum high, or if they slip up once or twice, if, you know, I mean, like if you lose three games somehow, it's it's crazy to think, but like there's going to be a lot of pressure on Nick Saban in 2024. And that's Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league with strong rosters. So um, I don't know. It's just, I think the window is getting a little tight and it's like, you got you to gotta win a lot of games this year. Which are capable all good of doing. things must all good things must come to an end. But enough on that. Let's switch over to the Big Ten, um, which doesn't have, have ten teams in the conference, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> this Michigan Wolverines team, ton of momentum. Obviously, their last couple of years under head coach Jim Harbaugh have been very good for them. They've beat Ohio State twice, uh, one in Ohio. And they've made it to the college football playoff in both of those years, unfortunately losing in their playoff games. They have 81% of their production from last year returning on this team. They've got a experienced quarterback in JJ McCarthy, uh, who's right now in obviously way too early draft pick, but he's looking like a possible late first round draft pick at the quarterback spot, um, which is a huge improvement from where he was entering last year's college football season what's the outlook for Michigan this season and how is this momentum that they're getting uh going to propel them forward you talked about how you know this is sort of um, something that's been building I think you know Harbaugh it it was weird like early in his career he was kind of like the the gimmicky guy that like you know he always got headlines but couldn't necessarily win a lot of big games and I was calling for his head on the chopping block Two years ago. Yeah. Right. So it's like, what a turnaround we've seen in two years. And I think that shows how important that Ohio State game is. Like, you know, even if Michigan goes 10-2 and this year, but they beat Ohio State and get into the Big Ten Championship, like, you know, this is going to be a guy that keeps his job just because there's so much importance placed on that, that game. And you see the opposite with Ryan Day, right? Like, you know, this guy's been in the playoff several times over the last few years. 
Um, but because he has not beaten Michigan, there's a little bit of pressure on him this season. It's kind of crazy because he's like losing maybe one game a year and then losing in the playoffs or, you know, like this is not a guy that hasn't been successful. So it's just kind of crazy, but, you know, back to Michigan, I just think, um, the pieces are there, right? So talk about McCarthy, the quarterback coming back, the running back room is stacked, you know, you Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, those two, that dynamic duo. Um, I mean, Blake Corn before he got injured last year, was on his way to a Heisman invitation. He was destroying teams. They've got weapons on the outside with Roman Wilson and Johnson. Um, the offensive line is always good. Uh, I won't start talking about, you know, the Joe Moore Award and how um, Georgia may or may not have gotten robbed over the past two seasons. But that 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 line is, is legit, and they've won that award the last two years. So got to give them credit there. And then obviously, you know, the defensive line is always good. The corners, Will Johnson is probably one of the best corners in the league. The schedule is, it's there, right? Like, so you start with East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, 4-0, right? And then you go at Nebraska, at Minnesota. You probably win both of those games, 6-0. You come home, Indiana, at Michigan State, probably win both of those. And you host Purdue, and then you finish at Penn State, at Maryland, home against Ohio State. If you assume that they beat the crap out of Ohio State last year in Ohio, so they probably beat them at home this year, the only other really tricky game is at Penn State. So it's like, you know, at worst, I've got them 11-1. and one. You know, if somehow McCarthy gets hurt or something crazy happens, 10-2. and two, But um, at so- worst, you have them at 11-1. and one. I guess 10 and two, like your, your only games are at Penn state and Ohio state, right? Like the rest of those right, games right. don't worry me at all. So I just think 11 and one is probably more probable than 10 and two and 12 and zero is obviously a possibility as well. So um, it's going to be interesting. I think they'll be right back in the thick of things. I think, I mean, Georgia's schedule is probably going to keep them at number one throughout the regular season. I expect Michigan to stay right at two, right behind them all season long. I want to go back to a point that you hit on uh, with the difference between Jim Harbaugh and, and Ryan Day, the Ohio State head coach. And I think this is what we're going to see from Michigan, too. The problem is, is Ryan Day's been there so much and been so close and not won it that Ohio State fans are kind of getting tired and fed up with uh, just being a little bit short. Whereas Michigan hasn't been there and they're just now getting there. So, you know, for a Michigan fan, you haven't been there that often to make it. You're like, all right, well, that's pretty darn good right there. You know, uh, playoff berth is, is what we're looking for. Whereas once your fan base and once your universities get accustomed to a certain standard of winning, getting falling just short every single year is not going to do it for too long. So yeah. I do, I do expect for, you know, Michigan – to make a leap, I, I do expect them, you know, if they can go 11 and 1, 12 and 0, you know, if they they need to make it into this national championship game, I think they're going to start becoming. And I hate using this because there's, there's so much uh, on it, but I think Michigan is getting to the point where it's championship or bust for them. And I'm not talking about a Big Ten championship. I think they have to at least make it to the national championship or they're not going to be happy with just a playoff berth every single year. And it is going to get a little bit tougher for Jim Harbaugh going forward. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, that's the, like I touched on, that's the crazy part about that rivalry is, you know, 
just winning that game has such an impact on just where you stand with the fans, where you stand with the administration, where you stand with the boosters, where you stand with the presidents. Um, kind of crazy. But, yeah, I'm excited to watch Michigan, you know, this year and to see um, what McCarthy can do, what those running backs can do, and um, whether Harbaugh can kind of get them over the hump and get them into a national championship game. So I wanted to do one more one more touch on another team. We kind of talked about them a little bit in the beginning, talked about their new quarterback, Sam Hartman. I'm talking about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They are in a, ranked number 13 in the preseason coaches poll. So um, got some coaches that, you know, normally we see them ranked really high, like top five. I think coaches are a little more uh, reserved this year. And, um, you know, even with the, with the quarterback uh, upgrade, I think this is going to be an interesting year for Notre Dame because the schedule's tough, man. I, I was looking at this before and the over under is set at eight and a half. And I'm like right there toting the line. Uh, I think you are too. Looking at Notre Dame, what are what are the question marks? Um, what are you interested in about this season? You know, are you feeling over or under here? We can go through the schedule and, and kind of talk about this, but it's going to be an interesting year with the transfer quarterback, um, with the second year under uh, new head coach, Marcus Freeman. So, yeah, what do you think about the Fighting Irish? Yeah, I mean, Marcus Freeman was one of those guys that, you know, I had a big question mark around all last season I think that you saw some growing pains in a first year head coach I do like the upgrade and I will call it an upgrade with Sam Hartman at quarterback let's talk about their first game of the season they are going to Ireland to play a football game for week zero of the yeah. football season the fighting Irish in Ireland now and remind me who are they playing again week zero they're they're playing Navy right so they're playing Navy this should be a win. Um, I'm just yeah. going to go ahead and chalk that up to a win. But let's talk about if they do not get the win, the Fighting Irish losing in Ireland. No way. I think no way. They'll get run out of the they country. They're going to get booed out of the country, and I think <laughs> that the Irish might actually strip their namesake, and they're going to have to go with a total rebrand. They're just uh, fighting. I don't see that happening. Um, they're just fighting think, from now on, the Notre Dame fighters. Right. I mean – I mean, Notre Dame's one of those teams that they're always going to be in the conversation. They recruit on a high enough level to where they're going to win a majority of their games. They're going to be bowl eligible every year, but they play a tough schedule. They play basically a mixture of the ACC and the Pac-12. Yeah. And they have some tough teams. I mean, for an outlook where I think they're over under is like eight and a half wins. I don't think we need to go through the entire schedule, but I don't have them winning nine games. I'm going to have to hit the under on eight and a half. Yeah, it's tough for me because, you know, like you said, they have that like hybrid where they're independent, so they're not, they don't belong to a car conference, obviously. But they do have a deal with the ACC where they play, you know, four or five ACC teams every year. Um, and then they have their Pac-12 rivals in USC and Stanford. You know, obviously they play um, a Big Ten team usually every year, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State. Um, so, like you said, tough, tough schedule. The trip up ones for me, it's like you go to NC State. I think they can win that game, but it'll be tough. Then they have Ohio State at home, USC at home. They go to Clemson um, and then finish the season with Wake Forest. It'll be Sam Hartman against his old team. So um, you have like four or five games there where it's going to be interesting. Um, I think they can probably win two or three of those maybe, but it, still it's like I'm, I'm leaning eight and four rather than nine and three here. Um, so I would probably hit that under as well. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting second year for Marcus Freeman. 
I think that's about it, man. You got anything else you want to finish up with? We'll be back, release another episode here in just a couple of days, but just wanted to touch on some interesting stuff about this upcoming season. Talk about the transfer portal and how crazy that was over the off season um, and some outlooks for some teams heading into the 2023 season. It's going to be fun, man. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of teams that look completely different this year. We're going to throw up some graphics on our Instagram at Saturday six pod. If there's a team that you want us to cover, we're more than happy to do so. Uh, just, you know, follow us, leave a comment under a post, let us know who you want us to talk about and uh, we'll be sure to touch on them and what they're looking like going forward. The social media is a big thing. Tell a friend, follow us, give us a rating. You can find us anywhere that podcasts are available, including Apple and Spotify. And it's a huge help just to get the name out there and uh, let more people, you know, hear about and talk about the upcoming college football season. Yes, sir. Can't wait. It's right around the corner. For my brother Tyler, I'm AJ. This was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. We'll see you guys soon. We out.